Father. We thank you for it. We thank you that we all stand here today as recipients of your great love. Lord, you loved us in Jesus Christ. And we all thank you, Lord. Just with heartfelt praise, Lord God, we thank you. Lord, we just commit this week to you, Lord God, the week ahead of us. And thank you, Lord God, that you're in the midst of every day. Lord, that we only need draw near to you, Lord, and you draw near to us. So we thank you for your presence. We thank you for the fact that you're available to be present in every situation, every circumstance, Lord God, that we might face or see even approaching, Lord. We can be a people that are fearless and full of faith. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And Lord, for the burdens that come across um, our hearts and, and weigh us down, Lord God. Lord, we thank you for insights and glimpses, Father God. Lord, we thank you for that ability of your spirit to show us things to come and lead us and guide us into all truth. And Lord, we thank you. We thank you with heartfelt praise today. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Hallelujah. How many of you know that you have the presence of the Lord, even though sometimes you can't feel it? How many of you know that that's the truth? You know, um, the Apostle Paul, when he uh, uh, was at Mars Hill, declared the unknown God. And in that same uh, passage, if you ever look it up, uh, he talks about how he said, and in him we live and move and have our being. In him we live and move and have our, have our being. We already have his presence. How many know that sometimes the Lord can turn his presence up? You know, the Lord can actually just sort of bring an increase of his presence. And, you know, we as a church, we and those that pray in the church, pray for that manifestation of his presence. You know, we see glimpses, we see moments where people are greatly touched by the presence of the Lord and just what he's doing in, in lives. And it's exciting, uh, exciting to see. And uh, I, I just note too, and I think we talked a little bit about it on Thursday night, um, there's uh, a, a, there was a chapel group um, probably about 10 days, nearly two weeks ago now, uh, at a university in Texas, I think it is. Um, Texas? Kentucky. Kentucky. In Kentucky. Uh, not a big university, but called Asprey, um, Asprey uh, uh, College. And they're a Christian uh, college. And in their chapel service... Uh, they just started having this uh, chapel service and started uh, to worship and started to bring praise to God like they normally would in their chapel service, but something was different. Something was a little bit different in that service, and uh, the Lord's presence just descended uh, on the gathering, and it's just continued for the last, I think, nearly two weeks now, and uh, just an increase of God's presence. There's a, now an outpouring of his spirit there and it's it's really quite fascinating for those of us that have been through similar outpourings we're, we're looking and reading and I, I, I'm, I'm quite excited about every little detail that's coming out of the place people are already starting to fly there to be a part of what God's doing at that in that particular place very similar to the um, what was known as the Toronto blessing uh, that occurred in the 90s and we participated in that too as our, our church in Queensland participated and, and, uh, and, and got to understand that that was a very, very special anointing that was going on at that time.
But um, uh, the, the thing was that the pastor that actually ran the church where the Toronto Blessing was, it was called the Airport Vineyard Church, I think it was called. And he was so humble, and I love it. He was so humble, he said, I don't know why the Lord chose our church for this outpouring. He said, I finally come to the conclusion it was because we were close to the airport. <laughs> so, you know, it's like sometimes we look for the, for the formula. What were we doing? What was the thing that we're doing that caused that to happen? And can we repeat the formula? And it's just God being sovereign. It's just God doing what he wants to do. And just the right heart, the right people together at the right time. And God pours his spirit out. And, um, and we ought to be excited about that. We ought to be ready for that. And particularly, don't be scared if it seems a little different what God does in those types of services. Um, because going back to, the, to uh, the Toronto Blessing, there was definitely a, a, a grace that went with it. And, uh, and of course, a real joy as well. There's a lot of joy going on uh, in the outpouring of that um, a Toronto Blessing when that came. So, so again, you know, we're excited. I don't know about anyone else, but has someone turned the air conditioning down? Is it hot in here or is it... It's cold, okay? Cold, okay. It's not just me then? All right. It's perfect, yes. Burning up. (laughs) I'm on fire. (laughs) That's what it is. Amen. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Hose me down, please. Um, So praise the Lord. I'm just, uh, again, excited. One little tidbit that I actually picked up, I think it was only last night, um, and, and it caught my attention because apparently the last message that was given on that day in the chapel service before the presence came was a message on love and repentance. And guess what my message is today? I was sitting there going, that's my message. So we just watch out, all right? Just watch out, everyone. We're ready. Amen. Well, we again, Father, we thank you for, uh, Lord, your word and, and, Lord God, your presence, your Holy Spirit, Lord. And we invite you by your spirit today, Lord, to touch hearts and lives, Lord. Lord, to, to bring revelation concerning your word, Lord, as we, um, as we attend to it, Lord, as we give attention to it, Lord. We declare, Father, it's a lamp unto our feet and a guide unto our path, Father. Your word will show us where we are and also show us where we can go. If movement and momentum is needed in our lives, Lord, we thank you for the work of your word doing both, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So again, we're into a series um, called His Life and Love. We had what's what I call a series breaker last week where Pastor Jess came and brought a great message on transformation. It's a series breaker. So you sort of hear me for 10 weeks in a row, you'll slip a little series breaker in there from time to time. So, so um, just, just so you know, that's what that's about. But we're continuing in this series of, this series of His Life and Love. You know, we serve a living God and we serve a loving God. And we need to be aware of his life uh, in us and also his love toward us. And we've been talking about that. We've spent a few weeks now uh, just reminding ourselves uh, that God's love for us is a revelation that we should have. And, of course, embrace it and not be moved away from it. And that was important for us to see that. God's love at work in our lives will identify us as true disciples. We're walking in love. You know, actually, I'm just reminded by something that I heard uh, uh, that Mahatma Gandhi was uh, quoted as saying this. He said, I would have become a Christian had I not met one first. 
And I think to myself, my gosh, that Christian, whoever that was that influenced Mahatma Gandhi in such a way, must have been having a real bad day at the office, you know. And, uh, you know, for Mahatma Gandhi to make that quote. So, you know, we need to be about the business of uh, being able um, uh, witnesses and uh, witnesses that speak of his love and his goodness. And, uh, you know, we will never be able to witness well for Jesus if our approach to others is unloving and judgmental of others. We'll never be able to get that done. Our focus should be uh, that we have come into a loving family relationship with, our, with the God of all creation. His revealed character toward us is as a loving heavenly father. That was what, in Jesus' day, that was what was so unique about him, was that he was always talking about his father. And, of course, the religious people of the day were going, what, 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 do, you, you know, what do you mean you're, you know, you're talking about God, but you're talking about him like he's a father? They couldn't, they couldn't quite work that out. God's answer for the world didn't come out of the law, but from his love and mercy and our adoption into family relationships. It's the spirit of adoption that brought us all into the kingdom of God, right? As sons and daughters. The spirit of adoption did that. And the book of Colossians says that we've been translated out of the kingdom of, of uh, darkness into the kingdom of God's dear son. Or as one translation says, the son of his love. I like it. That's family, isn't it? You know, being brought into his kingdom, which is the kingdom of the son of his love. And, um, and we become family with him. You know, and when we look up at the stars at night or across a beautiful Gantham Point sunset. <laughs> that was the wrong one. Is that the wrong one? I'll get it right sooner or later. Ganthium sunset. You should be able to say with the rest of us, my dad did that. You know, my dad did that. My heavenly father did that. You know. We think about creation. You know, we started the series with verses of scripture that help us to see that it's up to us to focus on God's love for us, that we should all know and believe the love that God has for us. And there's scriptures that actually help us. 1 John 3, 1 says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Because we walk in that revelation. And of course, it's up to us to recognize that we're in the family of God and that his love for us is absolute. And uh, that's a confidence that we should maintain and purpose to maintain at all times. You know, Jude also captures the need to keep ourselves in the love of God, to actually keep ourselves there in the love of God. Because identifying yourself as loved by God is about keeping yourself in that attitude, that mindset that I'm loved by God. And I, 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 I never wake up in the morning going, I don't know if God really loves me today. I'm not really sure that he loves me. Even when going through difficulty, I'm not going to get caught up in that lie of the enemy. That if things aren't going so well, it's because, well, God mustn't really love me at the moment. Don't get caught up in that. That's wrong thinking. You know, we've got to have the attitude that God loves me. And I tell you what, because he loves me, I'm going to see breakthrough. 
I'm going to see the answer to my situation because he loves me so, you know, elaborately, you know. Don't let the enemy deceive you out of that. Jude chapter 1, and, uh, oh, sorry, Jude chapter 1, Jude 20. It says, but you, beloved, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. You know, that means praying in the Holy Ghost, praying in tongues, you know, as we know how to. Keep yourselves in the love of God as you await the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you eternal life. What a great scripture. Keep yourselves in the love of God. You know, that, you know, that means when you're out and about, just keep yourself in the love of God, both in that realisation that he loves you, but also, and this is the, the next notch up, that he loves that person that just cut in on you in the roundabout. He loves them too. Or that person that does 40Ks in a 60 zone and will not go above 40Ks on, you know, an hour. You know, God loves them as well. <laughs> we have to remind ourselves sometimes when we're in a hurry. And we've spent enough time in the first three parts of this message recognising that it is through our believing that we receive the love of God. It was true when we are first saved when you receive Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. And we should keep ourselves in his love. Wake up every morning reminding ourselves that God loves us dearly as sons and daughters of God. And we have to take it up that notch. We have to do that. You know, uh, His love shouldn't stop with us. God's love is to us and through us. Amen? And uh, the same love extended to unbelievers as well. God so loved the world was a scripture that we've uh, all come to know. It's become the bumper sticker, you know, the T-shirt, John 3.16. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But John 3.16 is followed by John 3.17 and 18, isn't it? And that's the verse that doesn't quite make it onto the bumper sticker probably because you need a bigger bumper, but or the T-shirt, because you'd have to have it on the front and the back. But John 3, 17, we should look at it. It says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe has already been condemned. Now, that's a bit serious, isn't it? Whoever doesn't believe has already been condemned. Because he's not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. You know, um, God's loved us and he's given us an expression of his love in Jesus Christ, but we have to believe on him. Amen. So salvation is gained believing. Uh, uh, so salvation is gained, gained by believing or not by believing. And you don't gain salvation. It's that simple. We only have the two categories in the world. The believer or the unbeliever. Just think about this for a second. We only have the two categories. We have the believer or the unbeliever. We have the sinner or the saint. We have the righteous or the wicked. The quick or the dead. There is no other category. We've got to get that right. Because it's about believing or not believing. And we've got to get that part right because we come up with other categories. The church has come up with all kinds of categories, but there's, there's only the two. You know, my salvation at the age of 21, believe it or not, I had long hair. 
curly, long hair that went down to my shoulders and down my back. And, and um, despite my sinful lifestyle, it was not because I started to recognise the wickedness of my ways that, you know, I came to the, you know, it, it wasn't because of that. It was because I simply began to question if there was a God. And God met me there. He didn't go, boy, you're going to have to give up some of this stuff that you've been doing in your life. He didn't have any preconditions, you know. Be the first one to say, when the Lord saved me, he didn't save me out of the church choir. I wasn't in the church choir. In fact, I was far from it. I had to, you know, and, and, and I had. I'd come to that place where I'd started to question whether or not there was a God. You know, maybe at the age of 21, you started having more mature thoughts like that about eternity and, and things like that, but I certainly was. And I got saved because someone told me that I needed to believe on Jesus. The person that shared that with me couldn't rub two scriptures together. So, you know, if you're a new believer at the moment and you don't have a, a wide Bible knowledge, just know that you can impact someone's eternal life just by telling them that God loves them. And, you know, we've seen that happen many times before. Someone just go out with a simple message, hey, God loves you. And it makes such a difference. It makes them start to wonder. I got saved because someone told me that I needed to believe on Jesus. That simple gospel message. And in the process of that, I experienced the love of God. It was a beautiful thing. You know, in fact, it was so good I thought that I might die. You know, that was my salvation experience. God's love is, is not just to us, but it's through us. It's not just intended to stop with us and we go, this is fantastic. God's love is designed to be shared with others. And uh, so our view of others, and just get this, this is so important. This is for some the adjustment that needs to be made. God's love is not just to us, but through us. And therefore, our view of others is important. How do you view others? Do you see them out of, a, 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 you know, out of the lens of, oh, they need Jesus? Or do you see them out of, oh, they're just a dirty, rotten sinner? And how, why would I bother to share the gospel with them? You've got to watch out for that subtlety, don't you? You know, that, that, you know, that prevents us from reaching someone with the gospel because I tell you what, if you got saved you were a dirty, rotten sinner first mm, that's it we don't like to look at it that way do we? but we sort of, you know, in our righteousness we can tend to sort of take on a condescending feeling toward anyone who's not in Christ but we're all in the same place lost um, and needed to be saved in darkness and need to be translated into the kingdom of God's dear son. We're all in the same place and all headed in the same direction. You know, extending God's love to others is the key to our witness. And, um, you know, we're not here to extend condemnation to the world. That's all my friend Jim did, actually. He, he, he realised that what he, he received was available to those around him as well. And he started to share the gospel with others. It was so simple. And um, he didn't come at me about my sin, challenging me about my lifestyle choices. He came with a message that said, God's good 
I found out that God's good. And not only that, but he's powerful. He's delivered me of my heroin addiction. That was his testimony. It was only two weeks old, too, when he got to me. And it was powerful. And it got my attention. I thought, what? I, 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 you know, having had uh, a bit of time in, uh, having had a little bit of time in uh, uh, Sunday school, in fact, quite a lot of time in Sunday school, I said, I know more about the Bible than what you do. And he says, I don't care. He says, I know the God of the Bible is powerful. And you see, I didn't. He knew something that was more, more important was that God was real. I knew the stories, but I didn't know the reality. See, we've got to move over into the reality of God's presence in our lives. And that's what will make a difference in other people's lives. I like, um, I like uh, Romans 2 verse uh, 4. It says, don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? It's a question. Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? What a great scripture. It's from the New Living Translation. Um, is intended to turn you from your sin. You know, he loves us first. He doesn't get us to turn from our sin first. He loves us first. John chapter 8 and verse 2 says, Now, early in the morning, and I love this, because we're talking here about the woman that was caught in the very act of adultery. And she's a, she's a great example in the Bible of someone who's judged by the law but receives mercy from Jesus. Judged by the law. We're all judged by the law. Amen. John chapter 8 and verse 2. Now early in the morning he came into the temple and all the people came to him and he sat down and taught them. And then the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. Caught in the very act. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Don't know how they did that, but they managed to. And they caught her and they brought her to the temple and threw her down in front of Jesus. There is so much in play here of this account of Jesus' ministry. The scribes, the Pharisees, they're, they're, they're full of the letter of the, uh, of the law that kills and not the spirit that gives life. And they have no mercy for her, only condemnation ready and in store for this woman. They're looking around for rocks already because as far as they're concerned there's no way she could be she could get out of this because of what the law says i have no mercy for her only condemnation not looking to restore her not interested in getting her back into righteous paths if she ever was on them but already looking around to find those stones that they could throw at her and have uh, you know the the most powerful impact and they also are looking for the bonus where they actually can stump Jesus in what he's teaching, bring his doctrine undone, bring contradiction to his ministry. They just see that as a bonus. And we read on, it says in John 8 and verse 5 to 6, this is now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? And they said, this they said, testing him that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. 
And it's so important uh, for us to see the love of God in this story. God's love does not show up with judgment. Sometimes we see sin as the problem, but God's love doesn't show up with judgment. It shows up with kindness. Tolerance. Amen. Kindness. Tolerance. So important that we bring that. It shows up with compassion. Look what it says in verse 7. So when they had continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. So they're, they're already lining up. They're already ready to go. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. You know, Jesus really hit the nail on the head, didn't he, with the religious people of his day, with all their zeal for the appearance of holiness and right living, They'd missed the fact themselves that they also needed forgiveness. That's the problem with being a judgmental Christian. It's a focus that's not aimed at restoration. It's aimed at condemnation. Should we be about restoration or should we be about condemnation? What, 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 we should, what should we major on? Restoring someone? Galatians talks about you that are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of meekness. We restore. That should be our first goal is to restore. Jesus taught, judge not that you also be not judged. Well, what, what does that mean? You know, when you, when you hear Jesus saying that, you know, judge not that you be not judged. Well, it's, it means this. Don't judge others that have sin in their lives because you're not perfect by your law-keeping either. Mm. Say that again. It means don't judge others for the sin in their lives because you're not perfect by your law-keeping either. Amen. So just, you know, when you're pointing that one finger, there's, what, three pointing back at you. Our right standing with God comes not by our law-keeping, but by our faith in Jesus. So what do we need to do? Get people to faith in Jesus again. People who have maybe lost their way. People who are struggling with some you know, persistent sin in their life, some weakness, a, you know, a bondage. Don't condemn them. Restore them. Say, how do I do that? Well, number one, start praying for them. Start just continually bringing them up before the Lord. But do it by faith. Do it by faith, believing that God's going to do something about it. Use your faith there. Use your faith for the lost and for those that are struggling in their walk with the Lord. Use your faith. You know, and, and you know, when, it, when it comes to praying, you know, uh, say, Lord, I'm just leaving this with you because I know I can't do it, but you can. You know, and, and, and start to pray with that earnestness. You know, and, and keep thanking the Lord after you've prayed. Once you've prayed that way, pray again. And thank the Lord when you pray. Because he heard you the first time. You don't have to talk him into it, particularly when it comes to the lost. 
and, uh, and those that need restoration. Just keep thanking the Lord. Lord, and I thank for you, brother so-and-so and sister so-and-so and, and my uncle. And, you know, I thank you, Lord, because I've prayed and I believe you heard. You see. Mm. It says in 1 John 5, 14, this is the confidence we have in him. If we ask anything according to his will, we know he hears us. And if we know he hears us, we know that we have the petitions that we requested of him. Great scripture to remind ourselves when we're thanking the Lord again. You know, and just again, just lifting up that prayer. So here's the woman caught in judgment, standing before Jesus, standing before him that will judge the quick and the dead. And let's see this. The quick and the dead are those who believe and those who don't. Those two categories result in two judgments. One for those that are alive in Christ, believers at the judgment seat of Christ, and the dead, those who don't believe, at the great white throne judgment. Don't confuse the two. A lot of confusion about those two judgments. But they're two distinct different judgments. Look what it says in Acts chapter 10, and verse 42 to verse 43. It says this, And he commanded us to preach to the people, and to testify that he is he, uh, that that it is he who was ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. Uh, King James says the quick and the dead, um, because we're quickened, made alive. Sorry, did that not? Oh, there it is. There we go. The judge of the living and the dead. Uh, the King James version says the quick and the dead. All right. To him, all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. So your job is not to condemn someone to make them feel so bad about the way that they're living that they would want to make a change. That's not your job. Not my job either. Quickly find out. I don't rugby tackle anyone about their sin. Have you noticed that? And I tell you, the first, first time I ever saw that in a pastoral leadership, I thought they were negligent. First time I ever saw that, I thought, well, you, you, what are you, you, you guys should be out there, you know, pastoring this people, you know. That's kind of how, how I'd been taught that you did it, you see. But of course, that wasn't, that was ministry without the Holy Spirit. And I'd come into a church that believed that there was ministry by the Holy Spirit. And that he'd be the one that'd be working on hearts, touching lives, encouraging people to come out of their behaviours that are, that, are, that are going in the wrong direction. You know, I'm not, not, not afraid to talk to someone about, you know, uh, you know areas, etc. Not afraid to do that. And sure, you know, when I, if I feel led by the Spirit, absolutely. But otherwise, I'm not here to condemn people. And nor should you be. Amen. You know, believing on Jesus remains our pathway to eternal life. And we're saved by grace. That means that we're saved by unmerited favour. Now get this, the mercy that Jesus shows this woman is based on the truth that she's not going to be saved by upholding the law anyway. Just think about that. She's not going to be saved by upholding the law anyway. She couldn't do it. And don't be surprised, because nor can you. I think you 
brought it out quite well in your communion message. It was Jesus that was the one that, that um, lived his life without sin. But he was the only one that did. And God, took a lot of, God went to a lot of trouble to get Jesus into the earth so that, so that he could die the death of the cross as the lamb, the, you know, without blemish, without stain, without mark, the lamb that was slain. Went to a lot of trouble to bring him into the earth, if you, if you watch and look into it. The redemptive plan of God for mankind is something else to behold. And it was all about bringing that, that sinless, perfect sacrifice to die the death on the cross so that, so that we wouldn't have to die for our sins. Amen. And it says, And when Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? And she said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. You know, so often people will focus on the the challenge to go and sin no more. Well, when you've experienced the love and the mercy and the grace of God and you live in it, sin, sin loses any attraction anyway. It, you know, it loses any, you know, uh, appeal. We start to want to live a lifestyle that's pleasing to God and that's not, that's not a sense of, of, you know, legalism or anything like that. It's just pure, he's loved me and, boy... I'm going, to, I'm going to go out with that same love and live my life under his love. Amen. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Amen. The next level for everyone that has received the love, grace and mercy of God is to extend it to others. Amen. If we've understood it, it's to extend it to others. Those ones that you think, oh, they're hardly worthy of receiving God's, you know, you know, the gospel message. No, they're definitely worthy. And if we as a church would be committed to any activity, it should be extending God's love and mercy to others, recognising that they need to experience it just as we did. Amen? Amen. And I'm so glad that my friend Jim, who shared the gospel with me, didn't start at me by telling me about the wretchedness of my sin, the way that I was living my life, but testified of God's goodness and kindness and, of course, his great love that was extended to me at that time. And we found out that we didn't have to stop doing the things that we were doing to experience the love of God. I'll, I testify that to, you know, today. Didn't have to start stopping this and stopping that and don't do this and don't do that and one day God will love you. No, he loved us first. What does the scripture say in Romans 5? 8, God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were what? Yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's good news. It's the gospel. And uh, I tell you, church, we ought to be out there preaching it and sharing it and open our mouths and, uh, and help others get to that place of faith in Jesus Christ. Because these things that we're talking about today is the very nuts and bolts of what makes the gospel so very precious and what makes it good news. Amen. 
Amen. Well, I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up and we're going to stand to our feet and well, maybe we just pray for a, maybe a fresh fervour in the church to go out and find those people that we know need to hear the gospel, that we know uh, would be blessed if they just heard it right the first time. Sometimes they haven't even heard it right. They've just saw religion. They just think you're just being religious and that we need to be those people that go out with a clear gospel message and tell them how much God loves them and he wants to reach you right where you are and, uh, and not leave you where you are. Amen. Father, we thank you today for your word. Lord, we thank you for the truth of the gospel. We thank you, Lord, now in our message today, Lord God, we've seen just how much you loved us in Christ Jesus. And Lord, we just... Um, I make a commitment today, Lord God. We make a fresh commitment together today, Lord God, to those around us that maybe haven't heard that, maybe haven't understood that. And we know that all of heaven's resources are released as we speak your, your word, Lord God. All of heaven's resources, the work of your Holy Spirit in convicting people of the sin of not believing on Jesus goes to work, goes to, it comes into play, Lord God. So Lord, we thank you. We thank you today, Lord God, that as we uh, in, look at 2023, Lord God, we see it as a year when uh, a people are set free, Father. Set free from sin and condemnation, Lord God. Set free from judgment, Lord God. But that, uh, that, that they uh, come to life in your love and your goodness, Lord. When we see these things, Father, for this year, we see people being saved, Lord God. We see people coming to know you as Lord and Saviour. We see people coming to faith, Lord. So as we, as we pray today, Lord God, as we, as we close this service, Lord, we ask that you touch our, hives, touch our lives and equip us again, Lord God, Lord, to go out with a message. Show us, lead us, guide us, we ask, Holy Spirit, into the lives of those around us and work colleagues and friends, Father, and, and maybe family as well, Lord God, who need to hear uh, this message, Father, this gospel message that you so loved the world that you gave your only begotten Son. That whosoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life, Lord. Thank you for that truth, Lord God. Going out from this place, going out from this congregation, Father. Going out into this township and community, Lord. We thank you for that message, Father. You stir it in our hearts, Lord God, we ask. We ask this today in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Everybody said amen.